Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Feels Good Man is a Frankenstein meets Alice in Wonderland journey of an artist battling for re- to regain control of his creation while confronting a disturbing cast of characters who have their own particular attachment to Pepe. Now, Pe- and now as Pepe continues to morph around the world, Feels Good Man offers a vivid, moving portrait of one man, one frog, and one very strange reality we've all found ourselves living in. And with that, we're joined today by the director of Feels Good Man, that would be Arthur Jones, as well as the producer and writer, Giorgio Angelini. That was a great synopsis. We were always hoping it would seem like a Frankenstein meets Alice in Wonderland story. We talked a lot about that. Is that right? This is one of those documentary films that I knew a little bit about Pepe. I didn't, I only, only thing I knew about Pepe was that the, the, the last part of Pepe's life. I didn't know about the first part. So uh, this has been an eye-opening um, experience for me to watch this film. And I'll start with, uh, with you, Arthur. What was it or what inspired um, Feels Good Man? Um, you know, my relationship with Matt Fury inspired the film. I knew Matt um, a little bit, and I'd also been like a fan of his comic books um, from the very beginning. I'm an obsessive indie comics fan. And so whenever I would see Pepe popping up online, I always had this like sensation that Pepe felt lost. Um, And so I would talk to Matt about this. And initially we'd maybe talked about doing a collaboration that wasn't gonna be a documentary film. We talked about maybe doing like um, an animated series that we could like maybe, um, you know, sell to a TV network or something like that. And we had a number of meetings Um, with various people who are in the entertainment industry. And we just realized very quickly that the negative baggage surrounding Pepe the Frog and Matt's idiosyncratic style of artwork was just too much. Um, People really recoiled from the character because they assumed Pepe was this uh, hate symbol. And I could also see in these conversations that that um, situation, you know, was really disturbing to Matt. And so I pitched in the idea of doing a documentary film. And at the time that all this was going on, I was working on a film that Giorgio was making called Own, The Tale of Two Americas as an animator on that film. And so our collaboration kind of moved from that film into Feels Good Man seamlessly. But just so your audience is aware, you know, the name of our movie, Feels Good Man, is taken from a very specific panel of this underground comic book named Boys Club. And in it, this character named Pepe the Frog, who's this sort of like stone character that looks a little bit like a deformed Muppet, um, <laughs> says, feels good, man. And for whatever reason, this one panel from this one very obscure comic got found by the internet and became this wildly popular reaction image. And then it became this wildly popular meme where Pepe was drawn and redrawn and you know transformed um, you know, thousands, if not millions of times. So I'd encourage your listeners to Google Pepe the Frog at this point, (laughs) just so that they have some context for the film. Yeah, Giorgio, so it sounds like Arthur explained some of your, uh, the the reason for you to get together, but uh, what was it about this project that that intrigued you to want to be a part of it? Yeah, I mean, I think for me as a filmmaker, especially in documentary film, I'm always the most excited about telling stories like 
like ours in that it's something very specific and very eccentric and very unique, but it tells a much broader story about the culture at large. And looking for stories like that, like I don't know that I've ever heard a more special story than Pepe in terms of like how it relates to uh, this current cultural moment we're in and just the utter absurdity of, of, of all of it, but also like how uniquely it speaks to this, this strange time. So I, as soon as Arthur started telling me about his friendship with Matt and the context of Pepe, who I was familiar with just as a meme and really embarrassingly had no real understanding of where it had come from, my mind started just racing with all sorts of ideas about where the film could go. And soon thereafter, literally moved to LA to collaborate with, with Arthur on the film. Let's talk about Matt Furry. In some ways, my watching him in Feels Good Man feels like a kind of a reluctant subject. Um, he seems like a relatively reserved person, likes to keep to himself, seems he's a family man and just sort of a very low-key kind of guy, much like one of the characters in, in his comics. Um, and so how was it difficult at all to talk, talk him into being essentially the central character in a documentary film? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you know, we had gotten the trust of Matt and his partner, Ayana, who's also an amazing artist. Hmm. Um, but I don't think when it first started, they realized just kind of how maybe intrusive the documentary process was going to be for them and their, life, their lives. Um, Matt was a reluctant subject. He is someone who naturally sort of like steers away from the spotlight. He's a cartoonist and, you know, most cartoonists that I've met, you know, even myself included, I'm a cartoonist and illustrator. That's how I came to the medium of film. You know, we're pretty shy, pretty reserved people. We would rather be in the studio than out in the world. We'd rather be making something, not in front of the camera. So that's certainly true about Matt. But I have to say, like, good documentary films are made because you have access to great subjects. And right. Matt and Ayana really um, allowed us into their lives, sometimes when they didn't feel comfortable. And I'm really thankful for that. But, you know, you're right. He's someone that hadn't spoken out about Pepe before when it was sort of at the height of its controversy because he's someone that doesn't feel comfortable in the spotlight. Just to follow on your point about artists, uh, cartoonists, animators, the work itself is very singular, at least the way that Matt works, and I assume to some degree the way you work. It's such a, a consuming, time-consuming kind of art form that you are essentially working by yourself most of the time, I would assume. So it sort of fits the personality of, of Matt as well. And it was great to see him in, to some degree, in his natural environment at the, the, the thrift shop that he worked at when we see at the beginning of the film about him and his life. And then we get to know him as a family man and someone not drawn to attention. And certainly that, that seems to be the case. You, you just mentioned you started filming him at a point when it was at the height of its controversy of, as far as being, and I, th can we, we, I think we can say that for a period of time, Pepe was hijacked by what we would call the alt-right, the radical right, the pro-Nazi, whatever, I don't know how you, you phrase it, and, was, and that's how, again, I, I mentioned before we started, that's how I knew about Pepe was at that point in, in sort of the cultural shitstorm that we live in <laughs> these days um, that sort of it, it appeared on my radar during that period of time. We started filming a little bit after the cultural shitstorm, actually. We started okay. filming in late 2017, and Pepe had been declared uh, 
officially declared a hate symbol by the Anti-Defamation League um, in October of 2016. And so, you know, it actually, the timing of the film worked out nicely because I think Matt had had basically kind of a year to process things that um, had been going on in the 2015 and 2016 moment, which is when Pepe was really at its sort of peak in terms of like being noticed by the mainstream press, being used as this political football, being used as propaganda by supremacists like um, you know, by Richard Spencer. So Matt had had a chance to reflect on some of this stuff and think about it and process it. And it was also something Matt had really come around to this idea of wanting to protect his copyright in a passionate way. So we were able to um, document that as it was happening, um, you know, he'd found like a couple pro bono lawyers, Stephanie Lynn and Louis Tompros, who work at a law firm named Wilmer Hale, and they really helped him secure the copyright of Pepe and stop Pepe being used by people who were seeking to use Pepe as um, propaganda for their fascistic ideas or for profit. So we were able to capture that in real time, which was a real gift for us. There's something that I really found brilliant about the way that this story un unfolds, and that's a testament to you, you as filmmakers, in that there aren't any, what I would call, sudden kind of uh, uh, breaks in the story that are sort of seismic in, in, the, in their storytelling. I love the way the film kind of morphs and evolves as mm -hmm. the story unfolds in ways that are surprising on, on one level, but seem completely natural in the telling of the story. You didn't feel like, I didn't feel like you forced anything in the storytelling here. And it's such a fascinating journey. And, it, and, it's, and it, at the end of the day, it's more than just Pepe. It's about, right, right. it could have been another meme. It could have right. been another cartoon. So would you mind explaining a little bit about what I'm talking about, this sort of sure. this progression of how, how this, uh, this unfolds in, in Feels Good Man? Yeah, I mean, I think from the beginning, when Arthur and I were talking about what the story could be, it just felt, I'm sure like many documentary filmmakers, it felt like a mile wide, right? Like it could, it could have been a thousand different films. It could have gone a thousand different ways. Yeah. And from day one, working with our, our senior editor, Aaron Wickenden, we were tr always trying to figure out a way of how to thread the needle between Matt's personal journey and the sort of broader context of the world around him. And, and Aaron had come up with this idea of the, of the thin green line and that we'd always have to like kind of tread, tread this line lightly and make sure that anytime we like poked out into the darkness, we would always come back to the kind of light, lightness of, of Matt's story and really dialing in that nuance was, probably the central struggle of making this film, but also like the most rewarding aspect of how it turned out. And like hearing feedback like that is really rewarding because there definitely were versions of the edit where people were like, yeah. where is this story going? Why is this happening? Like, where did this come from? So, well, uh, yeah. yeah, it was very organic the way that you brought in how we got from what was the, car the original cartoon, the boys club went from boys club, how that kind of became something. But then you, you, definitely uh, bring in the internet and how memes are a part of the ecosystem of the internet and how they evolve and how it's, it's really, it's really well done because it's not only entertaining, but it's enlightening. I've heard of 4chan, but I didn't know it had such a outsized impact on our lives the way that you, we see it in, in the film. Well, yeah, I mean, this is all great to hear. I feel like, um, you know, we really wanted 
there, there's been a number of films made about sort of the dark internet yeah. and they always kind of felt like perhaps a little bit dry. They maybe felt like journalistically, like they, they felt like survey films. And we really wanted this film to kind of grab you emotionally so that you felt like a sense for, um, you, you felt a sense of loss for Matt as he loses his character. And we also yeah. feel like the best movies really have like an emotional core. Yeah. It's really kind of um, taking the medium and trying to um, use it for all of its, you know, particular kind of, um, you know, advantages that film gives you. So, you know, we wanted, there's conflict in the film, there's death in the film, there's, there's things that we sort of chose to place narratively very particularly because we um, felt like that was going to make the, the most watchable experience. We didn't want it to be like a, a film that's about the dark internet and then feels like a heavy and oppressive watch. You know, there's also this kind of trope in a lot of films about technology, whether that's documentaries about technology or like sci-fi films. There's this trope at the end where sort of like the machines take over, technology is bad. Um, you know, it's, there is no sort of hope. Hope has been lost to the machine. And we really felt as filmmakers, we also wanted to assert an idea at the end of the film that there was some hope within all of this, both hope for Matt and then hope for us as a society. So, you know, those were things that we were pretty clear on from the beginning, um, you know, and it was really powerful, like, you know, my relationship with Giorgio and then our relationship with Aaron, like, you know, the three of us really, we're fully committed to figuring out like how to crack this code together. And Giorgio shot a lot of the film. He wrote yeah. some of the music for the film. Aaron edited the first, you know, the first edit of the film he did for free. Like this was something that the three of us really just became singularly obsessed with. And um, that collaboration was also just a really joyful experience, I think, for all of us. But just to piggyback on the 4chan thing and things that are yeah. absolutely not joyful. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, uh, no. This the is my is here to bring it all back into focus. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, at the end of the day, and Arthur's mentioned this a lot in other interviews too, but like the end of the day, the film is really about media literacy. Yeah. And, you know, where, whereas Pepe's story has definitely evolved, uh, we, you know, we won't spoil the ending, uh, from where it was in 2016, the influence that the internet has had on the greater culture has only expanded. And so you have things like QAnon now, which was born out of, you know, 4chan boards as a joke. And now it's basically the driving force of one of the two major political parties in America. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we hope that even though our film is about a silly stone green frog, that people come away with it understanding something far more deep about where we are now as a country. I, I could not agree more. Uh, and the, the impacts of what you just described are literally profound on our society, not only on just American society, but I think this is just a harbinger of the world where world, the rest of the world will unfortunately catch up with what's happened here in a, in a terrible, terrible way, I fear. But nonetheless, films like yours, Feels Good Man, is an is a light uh, shining a light on the on all of this stuff and i feel smarter for having watched the film to be honest with you uh and i feel i feel actually more equipped as a citizen to understand the political process the, it, yeah i mean i truly do and i worked in politics for 15 years i worked in serious political campaigns and watching this 
I wish I could go back into it because I feel like I'd have a much better idea of how to win elections. Than I, <laughs> <laughs> not in a good way, trust me. Oh, that's uh, great to hear. That was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, I want to thank both of you. I, I, uh, the film, again, is Feels Good Man, and we've been talking with uh, Giorgio Angelini and Arthur Jones. Giorgio was uh, the uh, writer, cinematographer, producer, Arthur was the director, and I'm sure a bunch of other hats as well. And I, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I animated a bunch of them. An animator, yeah. and you talked. To, yeah, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you did a lot of things. And it's a. It is really a terrific documentary. Congratulations on the Sundance Award. Uh, what was the the award? Was a, a emerging artist award from Sundance, right? Yeah, we were in the U.S. Doc competition, and we got the the award for best emerging artist, which. Um, yeah, was an amazing. Yeah, best emerging filmmaker. That's, best emerging that's filmmaker. Amazing honor. Yeah. Well, well, the film comes out on September fourth. I assume that's a virtual release. I'm going to guess that's yes. virtual release. And look for this. Uh, feels good, man. Thank you both for being here on Film School Radio. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, thank you, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.